We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, March the 23rd, 2020. On today's show, I will give an update, a life update. Obviously, we're all sitting in quarantine right now, about to rip our hair out without Gamecock sports. We don't know what's going on with our lives. I'll come to you guys today, sort of ramble on about what's been going on in my life, uh, what's going to be going on over the next couple of months, hopefully not months, but what's going to be going on in the near future. Um, so it's going to be a really fun show. We're kind of all over the place, but really, really excited to talk to you guys today. Also, have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks first baseman Kyle Martin. Kyle, a phenomenal dude, awesome guy. Be sure to stay tuned for that as we break down his South Carolina career, what was a damn good South Carolina career, uh, I might add. So stick around. Enjoy. Let's get it. Chris Phillip, Joe's the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Welcome to the quarantine. It's good to talk to you guys again, man. It's really, really good to talk to you guys. Obviously, last week, you guys remember, um, we had all of the throwback interviews last week. So, a little bit of update on why that happened. Last weekend, I was not smart in regards to the quarantine. I did not listen. I, th- I think people were still kind of taking it, ah, whatever. We can still kind of do our thing, go out hang out, whatever. Well, I woke up Sunday feeling like pure death, death. Just a week ago, Sunday, pure death. Throat was shut. Couldn't swallow, couldn't, couldn't eat without immense pain in my throat. Turned out um, I had strep throat. I got sick. Didn't even feel like a real human again until probably Thursday, honestly. So we're back now, though. Your boy's back. I got a little bit of an allergy, whatever, going on. Everybody's got that going on right now with the pollen. But we are back. Really do appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, the show must go on. I'll tell you honestly, guys, off the jump, I don't know right now if if the podcast will probably not be coming to you daily. I think we're probably going to do Monday, Thursday right now, kind of go back to how we used to have it, just because I feel like it would be a disservice to try to just pull things out of my ass constantly every single day. I want to give you guys as much content as possible. Do not get me wrong. I want to give you as much content as possible, which is why, by the way, I have made a huge purchase. I finally did it, guys. I caved. I gave in. I've been putting it off forever. I went and bought a PlayStation 4. Let's go. Let's go. 
bought the PlayStation 4, we got MLB The Show, and guess what else we got? We got the South Carolina logos, the roster, everything. It's a beautiful thing. It's gorgeous. Going to be streaming on Twitch. The Twitch game just got taken to a whole different level. Is it NCAA football? No, it's not. I understand that, but you know what? This is the damn next best thing. Also, I'm going to be doing a lot of content as far as watching old games, giving my thoughts and feedback. Probably going to be going on YouTube live for those and kind of giving some live commentary. Um, so if you guys do want to follow along, I'll give you guys the heads up when I'm watching the games, what games I'm watching, obviously, all that good stuff. Um, but outside of that, the podcast, I, I'll be honest with you guys, it, it's going to be very, very organic, very all over the place. Obviously, a lot of interviews. That's the great part is we can continue to go on with interviews really uninter- uninterrupted. Um, and really, at this point, if you're a guest and you don't want to come on my show, you must just really not like me because you have nothing else going on. <laughs> no, but including today, we're going to have great interviews. Um, you know, that's going to continue, obviously. And I'm going to continue to put stuff on social media. So, you know, I, I know this is a <coughs> – oh, God, there it is. There it is. No, kidding. Um, just how things have evolved over the last week, how our, how our worlds have been shaken, how our lives have been flipped upside down. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about uh, uh, too much about the the politics of it or the ins and outs of it because I don't want you guys to think of me as some expert of coronavirus and coming to me for questions. I know as much as you do. I'm literally going off of what we hear, what we see. Um, you know, obviously, you need to be smart, be safe, stay in your house if you can. But uh, people need content. You know, we're missing. Uh, you know, the saddest thing right now is if I look up, I look to my left right now. I'm in the studio. I look up to my left and I see a calendar with a bunch of baseball games that were supposed to be happening that are not. And it's sad. It's very, very, very sad. So, um, you know, I'm going to continue to do my absolute best. The Spurs up show, the show must go on. It must, it must. Gamecock fans need it. Absolutely need it. Maybe we'll dive into like the list season and we'll get in the top, top five, this top 10, this blah, 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 blah. For this episode though, this was more of a, quarantine vibes, quarantine kind of organic. Like I said, say what's up to you guys. Um, I want to just check in and see how you guys were doing. Again, I, I know it's tough right now. I know it's we're all kind of struggling to figure out what's going on. Um, but I'm in that same boat with you. I mean, like I said, it's it's it almost still hasn't sunk in like sports are done for the, for the foreseeable future. I mean, I feel like we're almost going to wake up and it's going to be a bad dream. But this is reality. It, it, it is what it is. One question I did want to address that I thought was really interesting. You guys asked a lot. And like I said, I would have talked about it last week when I was sick as a dog. But uh, the question that I know a lot of you were asking, you know, the NCAA come, coming out saying that those that play in spring sports are going to get another year of eligibility. And people are asking, well, how does that affect South Carolina? Who might come back? Obviously, they have not put that in place for the winter sports. So, no, basketball does not fall under that yet. So, as of right now, basketball is not falling under that. Really, baseball, golf, the spring sports, those are the ones affected, and we're going to stick mainly with baseball. I think you could see almost the exact same South Carolina team come back. Because, I mean, listen, I thought Carmen Majinski was for sure gone after this season. I thought he was 110% gone. thought he was a guy who was going to go in the draft. And I, I thought, you know, if they got to play this season, that he would have pitched well enough in SEC play to warrant a second, third-round draft grade, and he, he would go. Now it's like – and they might they're, – they're talking about not even having the MLB draft, which is insane to me. But you got to think for a guy like Carmen Majinski, like it's going to help you to come back and get a full season under your belt. You know what I mean? Like, so 
you might see the exact same team last year, or the same exact team next year. This, the team South Carolina fielded this year, you might see that exact same team next year. Obviously, with the addition of some young guys, some freshmen, whatever. Um, but, I mean, who, who's going to leave? I mean, George Khalil loved the kid. He's not like a top five draft, draft guy. Why wouldn't he come back? I'd love to see six back out there at shortstop. We'd love it. Absolutely love it. Dallas Beaver, Bryant Bowen, with them being grad transfers, will they want to leave? Will they want to come back? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, who's going to leave? So, I think it's an interesting thing. I think it's a good thing that the NCAA did, obviously. Um, I think it's a really good thing as those kids are. I, I, can't, I can't even fathom – I can't even fathom being in their spots, having my season taken away, having my life basically taken away, the rug pulled out from under you. I mean, I'll tell you this, guys. Personally, I was a guy that, you know, I played baseball in college, but I was recruited very late in the process. I didn't really get looks or offers even until my senior year. And my senior year is what got me to Newberry to play. I can't even imagine having that senior year ripped away. I, I can't fathom it. I really can't. Um, I feel bad for the kids, man. I feel really, really bad for the kids. It's, it's, it's tough, man. It's very, very tough. It's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I don't, you know, I mean, nobody has answers right now. You know what I mean? Nobody has answers. We're probably going to go into a statewide shutdown. Other states are doing it. That's the big rumor right now. The big, the big uh, talking point that we're going to go into a statewide shutdown, which, again, is why I went and got the PS4 because I'm like, screw it. If I'm going to be in shutdown, I need to have this. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, again, though, I I'm with you guys. The content's going to continue to roll. Um, the content's going to continue to be coming out consistently, producing it. Um, like I said, last week was sort of an anomaly because I was sick as hell. I mean, guys, I was sick, sick. I was throat – I mean, there is no worse pain – than not being able like to eat and enjoy it. Like eating was painful. That's how that's how badly my throat hurt. But guys, take coronavirus serious, man. Take this stuff serious. Cause like I said, that honestly, getting sick, that honestly put it in great perspective for me. Not that I didn't have that I lacked perspective before, but it even put it in more perspective for me. I, I mean, being sick sucks. It sucks, guys. It sucks. For, for real, really, 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 really sucks. So be sure to just take care of yourself. You, you don't want to spread it. Give it to somebody who it could really affect. Um, or, or you obviously just don't want to get it. You know, you got to do your part and be smart, and it's unfortunate and it sucks. I, hell, I don't know when sports will be back. I really don't. But uh, take care of yourself. So I do want to get in these listener questions, and we'll get in this interview with Kyle Martin. Uh, like I said, moving forward, these shows, they're going to be random, but they'll probably be a little more organized than this, um, especially as we get the Twitch content rolling and this other content rolling today uh, that I'm planning on. But, yeah, you guys, I appreciate the listeners sticking with me. The numbers even last week were good for the throwback interviews. So, again, guys, I truly, truly, truly do appreciate you guys' love, support, everything, keeping the show running means more than you know. Um, all right, let's get in these listener questions. J.K. Gill, 34. Are you praying there is no baseball draft so we get the whole team back? I mean, I'm not, I'm not praying there's no draft, but, again, I'd, I'd be surprised if the whole team is not back. I mean, even for a guy, like I said, like Carmen, where it's like he's – you know, he, he'll probably still be a, a fairly high draft pick. You know, he'll probably still be in that realm, but 
God, it just seems like you'd want to come back and get a full season pitching at the SEC level. You know what I mean? It seems like you'd want to. So we'll see. Um, Hayden Dot Griffin, who do you think would be an ideal coach to replace Muschamp? Said this before, I'll say it again. I don't have a specific name, but any offensive guy who's young, willing to recruit, but an offensive-minded head coach, give me that. Um, D. Bush underscore, which current Gamecock guard has better NBA potential, Lawson or Kuznard? I'd probably say NBA potential. I still probably would say Lawson. I know he had a terrible year and Kuznar had a solid year, but uh, I probably would say Lawson, to be honest with you. Um, w underscore Hale, in your opinion, what are the odds football season gets canceled? Bro, I'm praying zero. I'm praying zero. Uh, last question, Jordan Portillo, 93. Chances, practices, and spring game could be allowed over the summer if things go back to normal. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know how they'd want to approach that. Um, you hate to just lose out the entire spring. I don't know, again, how they're going to approach that. We'll see. Um, so guys, appreciate the listener questions. Like I said, got a fantastic interview, former Gamecocks first baseman, Kyle Martin. Kyle, phenomenal dude, obviously, um, had a great South Carolina career. You know, it's funny. One of my favorite parts of these interviews is guys like a Kyle Martin, where you remember they had a solid career. They had a good career with South Carolina, but then you go look at the numbers and you're like, dude, this dude smashed. Or like, you know, whoever the player is, whatever the sport, you're like, wow, they were really, really good. Really good. And Kyle's one of those guys. So, again, phenomenal interview, guys. Stay tuned for it. Again, appreciate you guys, as always, tuning in. And we will talk to you on Thursday. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2012 to 2015. During his career, he hit 332, 22 homers, and 116 RBIs. In 2015, he was taken in the fourth round of the MLB draft by the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks first baseman Kyle Martin. Kyle, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. This is nice. Absolutely. So, Kyle, let's go ahead and kind of go back to the beginning for you. Obviously, a really highly regarded prospect. You go to South Carolina um, from Greenville, South Carolina, from the upstate, went to Wade Hampton High School. Just kind of talk about your recruitment. You know, when did South Carolina first make contact with you and what made made the decision for you to become a Gamecock? So, I was uh, I was attending a Diamond Prospect camp down there in Columbia and just happened to take some BP and ground balls and all that stuff right in front of Ray Tanner and Holbrook themselves. So I think that's when um, I started or Tanner started to get eyes on me a little bit. And then from there, I just kind of kept in touch as much as possible. And um, I was playing for the Canes before they became the Evo Shield Canes. So I was playing in a lot of tournaments that Holbrook was at. So I got a little, um, I got to be seen in front of him a good bit. So I think they kind of kept tabs on me at that point. But I actually grew up a Clemson fan, um, which is a little odd. But ever since I took my official visit to Carolina, I just kind of fell in love with it. So ever since uh, I think it was around my junior year is when they started recruiting me more. Um, ever since that visit, I just, like I said, I fell in love. How easy did it make it for you? I mean, obviously, again, you're you're in high school during the time when South Carolina's going on this run, winning the back-to-back national titles. I mean, I feel like that had to make the decision uh, even easier because, I mean, again, you entered into a program that literally won it back-to-back. I mean, how, how cool was that, I guess, to get on campus as a freshman with, uh, I guess, with those type of expectations, if you will? That certainly isn't one thing you can overlook with recruited there, but 
Um, just the facilities in general, knowing you're going to play under Ray Tanner, um, knowing they've done the national championships. There's so much hype going on there. There's so much uh, love in that system that it's just one thing you can't overlook. And I had such a great time um, going through the recruitment process, watching them win the national championships and being a part of it all. For sure. So you talked about Ray Tanner. What were your first interactions like with him? Because I know for every player, it seems like it's a little bit different. But uh, just kind of describe being a player under uh, under Coach Tanner. He's very intense, um, especially on the field. He has very high expectations of everybody. He wants everybody to obviously perform well, perform at their best, be their best person, player on the field and off the field for the most part. Um, but, I mean, he expects you to do your job, and that's what you're there for that's what you're brought in for and that's what he wants from you every single day he wants you to always give your best no matter what for sure so like I said you get on campus as a freshman fall 2011 you know you were a guy that really immersed yourself in the college game I mean never batted below 288 you know really held your own at South Carolina obviously but was there any type of intimidation factor when you get to Carolina? Because, again, like I said, being the new guy, you win back-to-back national titles. I mean, again, there were a lot of young guys on that 2012 team that really contributed and helped get you guys back to the national championship again. But was there any type of, like, intimidation factor? Did the, did the veteran guys who were already there do a pretty good job of wel- welcoming you guys with open arms and sort of embracing the expectations? They did a really good job. I mean, they – obviously, they had – high expectations of trying to get back as well and go for three feet. So um, there was a little bit of intimidation factor in there because they themselves had high expectations of the freshmen coming in. And we had a big group of guys that had really good talent coming in. So we were expected to pick up and start rolling off the bat. And, uh, you know, you get there and Evan Marzilli's there and Ross is there and Price is there and Walker's there and you've just been sitting them in there watching them on national championships two years in a row so you kind of get a little starstruck you kind of get a little intimidated playing with those guys um but i think that's such a great experience for young guys to be a part of you know facing young hitters to face matt price and to face michael ross and to face tyler webb and go against those guys who have pitched in the national championships have been there and done that and um i think that's a great experience overall because um, when you're playing against the best, you try to be the best, and that's that's a big role. For sure. How would you grade your freshman year? Because, like I said, you, you jumped right in the college game and really contributed off the bat. I mean, your freshman year uh, started 22 games, but you hit 295 and 78 at-bats, a homer, 12 RBIs. Obviously, again, as a freshman, limited playing time. With, like you said, Christian Walker is still there. I mean, but how, how would you grade that freshman year overall as far as your transition from high school ball to uh, to that level? You know, I think it started off well, but I don't know if I was 100% ready at the time. Um, I mean, we all think we are, but I started hitting a little bit of adversity, and I honestly, I don't think I knew how to handle it at the time. Um, and it, it took me a while to overcome that and figure things out. But overall, I think uh, my freshman year was a good opportunity because I started out strong and then just, like I said, I hit that little bit of a rock. and. Um, I had to find myself as a player in order to get around that. So I think it helped me grow overall. For sure. How much did you learn from Christian Walker? Because obviously Walker, a guy who's, you know, a legend in Gamecock circles, and we see what he's doing in the big leagues now. I mean, having a ton of success with Arizona. How much did you take away from him? It was – I mean, he taught me a lot about the game, first base, 
um, and hitting wise, he always had an approach. He always had an idea of what he was doing. And that kind of helped me grow as a player too, is watching him play with the calmness that he did and the, um, not only excitement, but the aggression that he still um, exerted. So I think that helped me as a player too, is try to find that within myself and trying to figure out how I can take that into the game as well and try and slow things down as well as he had. For sure. So I always joke with guys, Kyle, that 2012 seems like the, uh, the, the forgotten team almost because, you know, it's funny, you go on YouTube or wherever, you talk to Gamecock fans and they talk about 2010, 2011, but that 2012 team sort of gets brushed under the rug and I think unfairly. I mean, again, you guys made it all the way to the College World Series final. You run into a buzzsaw that was that Arizona team who was really, really, really good. Um, you fall to them, but I guess as a freshman – how cool was that? You know, again, you, you get back to Omaha, you've seen it on TV, like you mentioned, you've watched these guys, but to go there yourself, um, you know, and, and, and nearly get the three-peat, I mean, how cool was that as a true freshman to be able to do that? It was such an awesome experience to be able to play in front of the, that crowd, that, um, that drive. And, you know, like I said earlier, we had so much talent coming in. We had Pancake, Reiner, Montgomery, English, you know, C.J. Costin was there. Um we had so much talent going in and for us to pick up and roll the way we did and to mesh as well as we did with, you know, Walker, Ross, Price, Webb, all of them as well. I mean, it, we clicked and it was awesome uh, to throw so much talent out there and see it to go as far as we did with more of an older team and a really young team in, in general. So, um, but no, that experience overall was great and it, it, it really was tough to be cut short like that, but like you said, Arizona was such a good team that um, it was just one of those, you know, bittersweet endings. For sure. So obviously, during your career, um, you went through a coaching change. You know, Ray Tanner stepping down, uh, retiring, if you will, moving into his AD role, and Chad Holbrook takes over as head coach. I'll ask you: Were you surprised at all when that happened? Was that something you maybe saw coming, or like just kind of walk me through when you find out the news and, and find out what's going down? I think we, I think we kind of knew that he was. I think his end game was the AD role, and when it happened to open up, we. I mean, I don't think we were surprised, but I think we were kind of. I'm not gonna say upset, but we, I mean, I still would have loved to have him four years as a coach, mm. but it is what it is at that point, and he's got decisions to make and he's got moves to make, so you gotta do it. Uh, it's better for yourself sometimes, and he ended up making that decision. Um, I enjoyed having Holbrook as a coach. Uh, I knew him pretty well in high school just from being under uh, recruitment from him. So I got to have a lot of conversations with him. And I think it was an easy transition for him to come in because he knew the team, he knew the players, he knew everything, the ins and outs of what was going on there. So I think it was uh, easy for him to make that decision or Tanner to make that decision to have him come in. For sure. And then talk about, like, like you were mentioning, uh, Chad Holbrook. You know, and it's funny, most guys that I talk to just really just assumed that it was going to keep rolling, which, I mean, it did going into 2013. You guys ran into a tough North Carolina team in the Super Regionals. But that it was just going to keep rolling with Chad Holbrook. Because, I mean, Chad was there when you won the back-to-back. He was there with Tanner, you know, whatever. Um, how, how much different was it, I guess, playing under Chad Holbrook? I mean, like you said, he, he's a very well-liked guy. All the guys really gravitate towards him. But – how much different was it, I guess, you know, playing for Coach Holbrook and having him run the show? So, Tanner, 
Tanner was very intense. Tanner was didn't mind getting in your face, didn't mind telling you what you needed to do. He didn't mind intimidating. Like he, I loved him for the fact that every single day he knew what it took to get 100% out of you. If you were having a bad day, he knew how to pump the brakes a little bit or, or he knew how to push you forward and give you what you needed to uh, drive, drive forward and push ahead, you know? Um, mm. Holbrook wasn't so much like that. They had two different coaching philosophies, and um, I think we were kind of used to the Tanner aspect. And when uh, Holbrook stepped in, I think it was kind of a transition that we weren't used to. So, I mean, obviously, you still had the same players out there. We still had the same drive. We were still trying to push for the same goal, pull on the same end of the rope. So, I mean, it just didn't pan out the way that we had hoped. So, I think that was uh, – I think the coaching aspects were a little different at that point. For sure. So, you're a guy, obviously, like you said, you grew up a Clemson fan. You're from the upstate. I want to talk to you about the Carolina-Clemson rivalry because um, no better rivalry in college baseball, in my opinion. Just talk about being a player in that rivalry. And, again, with your background, uh, I guess, what were the emotions like? How interesting was that rivalry for you? You know, I never went to many baseball games growing up. I never went to many football games growing up. I, I was still always a fan and watched them on TV. But stepping on that field for the home game against Clemson my freshman year was a whole new experience for me. Um, I mean, I knew we sold out, um, but I didn't realize how many fans we could pack into that stadium at Founders <laughs> Park. Um, and it was incredibly loud. I played in some loud stadiums through college. But that that was one of my best memories overall. Um, it was so intense and so loud and so aggressive that it it made you fall in love with the game even more. It made you fall in love with the rivalry and even more. Um, I will always remember that first game at home my freshman year against Clemson. For sure. So I, I want to go back to because it's kind of random. Just came up in my head that 2013 Super Regional. Um, You've played a lot of baseball, so I'd be interested to hear your answer. Have you seen a better catch than that, that catch that Tanner English made uh, in, in the Super Regional game against UNC? <laughs> you know, they always compare it to the one Evan Marzilli made in uh, the College World Series that one year. Mm. And uh, But, no, Tanner is uh, – there's not a ball he can't get to in the outfield. And I wasn't 100% surprised he caught it, but the way – the way he stretched and the way he dove, it was it was an unbelievable catch. But like I said, there's not a whole lot he can't get to out there. He's one of the fastest guys I've ever played with. But it was a tremendous catch by far. And watching, I think it was Montgomery on the on the mound that game, and mm-hmm. watching his reaction through it all was was really awesome. <laughs> For sure, I, I wanted to talk to you about not just Montgomery, but uh, you know, you being a lefty. Obviously, was there. Was there any guy specifically on you guys' staff or maybe in the SEC that, again, you, not many guys gave you trouble when you take a look at the stats, but was there any guy that specifically you either had your number or you just didn't like to face? Or, like, was there any guy like that for you in college? Uh, you know, I didn't like to face Will Crow um, coming up my senior year. Uh, he was he was a tough pitcher to face for any anybody um he had such a heavy ball and he was very intense on the mound and he was always pushing forward gave you no time to step in the box once you looked up he was ready to go you know he always had this power factor to him and um i always loved 
the times I did get to face him, but he's not one of the guys I always look forward to facing. <laughs> for sure. So that junior year for you, Kyle, 336, five homers, 38 RBIs. To that point, your best season as a Gamecock. And I know, you know, one of the questions for you after that year was, do you go to the draft? Do you come back to South Carolina? Obviously, you were drafted in the 20th round by L.A., uh, the Angels. Just kind of talk about, again, what clicked for you that year? Because we all know that junior year for baseball, that's your money year, right? But what clicked for you and what made the decision for you to come back for South, to South Carolina uh, for one more year? So I wanted to go play summer ball the year before my junior year. I wanted to go play summer ball in um, Thomasville, North Carolina. And one of my buddies was actually coaching, and he's a big guru on hitting. And his name's Zach Brown, and he's in Columbia right now um, doing some coaching. And – we hit every day. We'd go to the cage, hit 50 or so, and then we'd go take BP on the field, just me and him, and um, hit another 50, and then we'd go take BP with the team. And all we did was just hit that summer. All I wanted to do was hit and just try and figure out a few things and just try and get ready for that upcoming season. Um, so, because I knew LB was probably going to be gone, and I knew the first base position was um, – was going to be open, so I wanted to really come in strong and make an appearance, make an even stronger appearance than I had in the past. Um, so, I, I, we, like I said, we hit every day and then went into the season just a little more calmer, a little more content, trusting my swing a little even more, and it just panned out the right way. Um, as, for, as far as turning down the draft, um, I felt I had a little more to prove power-wise, and I thought I could have done a better job of that. Um, my junior year, and I wanted to prove that my senior year. So I decided to take that, uh, turn down the draft and go back. And plus, I could get an extra year on my degree, so that got even better. Yeah, I would say that it paid off pretty well for you. Uh, <laughs> you come back to South Carolina, by far your best year as a Gamecock. Uh, hit 350 at the plate. You talked about those power numbers. You, you, Literally basically tripled them, hit 14 homers in 2015, 56 RBIs. Uh, obviously, you were a veteran, experience, all that factors in. Your swing had probably evolved a lot, like you mentioned, the, uh, the hitting guru that you got with. I mean, was it all just kind of a culmination of all that coming together? Was there one specific thing you, you attribute that year to? I mean, because, again, it vaulted you to a fourth-round draft selection, first-team All-American, first-team All-SEC. I mean, you had your year, the year you wanted to have um, – what do you like? I said, what do you attribute to it? Is it is it a multitude of things, or was there one specific thing that the light bulb just came on? Well, I I always go back to that uh, summer before my junior year of being uh, just hit, hit, hitting, and being able to find my swing that locked me in, and being able to trust that swing. I always attribute it to that, but I also go back to having a bunch of conversations with uh, Brian Busher. We always because he played a few years in the big leagues and he knew the game very well. He's a, he's very knowledgeable in the game of baseball. And we always talked a good bit and we talked approach a lot. And sometimes we'd watch pitchers or watch video of pitchers and just kind of pick out tendencies on what they like to throw and what they like to do in certain counts. And I think that gave me a little ease um, whenever I stepped into the box, because I knew exactly what I was looking for and I knew where I wanted it. And just so happened um, it, it always worked out pretty well in my favor. Um, so those conversations I always go back to, too. And I think going back as a senior year, um, I don't think I put a lot of pressure on myself. And I think I slowed the game down a lot, which really helped as well.
For sure. You know, it's funny, Kyle. Uh, we had your buddy uh, TJ Hopkins on the show a couple months ago, and it's funny through that I found a great trivia question. And this is really random, but I was reading up on TJ, and he's the last Gamecock to hit in the cycle. The Gamecock before him was actually you. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that. It was at Florida. You went four for four. That weekend, by the way, you went seven for 12, which is absurd. Um, but talk about that series, that game, obviously to hit for the cycle, I guess. How cool was that? And to do it at their place against the SEC East opponent. I mean, I feel like that had to be a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it was kind of a sneaky uh, cycle because I think we lost that game 12-5. to five, But mm-hmm. – um, no, right before the game, I was talking to Scott Wingo, and he, he just somehow had this feeling that I was going to have a great game. And he he went off the bat, and he said, I'm going to hit two home runs that game. And I was like, okay, man, like we're facing good pitching staff. We'll see how that pans out. He's like, no, check me out. And he gave me some eye drops. <laughs> like, I don't know if these were special eye drops or whatever <laughs> happened. But for whatever reason, my first A-B, I hit a home run, and I walked back in the dugout. He's like, look, there's one. You got another one coming. Second AB, I walk up and I hit a double off the wall, and um, I run back over to hand him my uh, my gear, and he's like, "Well, there was your opportunity; you just missed it." Uh, so no, I so I had the double and the home run, and then I was facing AJ Puck, and you know somehow battled out a single off of him, throwing 95, 98, you know, and then just happened to squeak out a triple somehow. Um, but no, that triple was actually funny because I got a picture of Holbrook holding me up at second base. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I knew it. I knew I had an opportunity, so I just I kept on trucking whether I was going to be out or safe. But I had to at least go for it, right? Yeah, I mean you have to you have to go for it at that point. There's there's just no way. It's funny because we were talking to TJ about it. He said the same exact thing. It's like that last at bat comes up and you need the triple. Uh, you, as soon as you see that ball go to the gap, it's like there's no question I'm going to third, out safe, indifferent, whatever. So, no, it's, it's... Well, I was never the fastest runner, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think that I think that might have been the fastest I ever ran. <laughs> for sure. So, like you said, you came back to South Carolina for your senior season. You turned down the draft, and the decision paid off big time. I mean, you're drafted fourth round by the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, as a senior, just talk about when you get that call, I guess, what that moment was like for you and just the the joy you felt once you found out you were getting drafted by uh, by Philly. You know, I grew up a Philly fan too, so it was it just added to the excitement. Um, but I had done a pre-draft workout with them before the draft and so, uh, I mean, just getting to hit on the state, hitting the stadium and be in front of their staff that I grew up watching and loving, getting to hang out with Chase Utley, who happened to be there that day. Um, getting that call from the Phillies, just it almost brought me to tears. It was such an unbelievable experience that, you know, I, I wish a lot of people could have, and I know a lot of people have had it, but it, it's something you can't even put into words, to be honest. It's, it just brings so much joy into your life and your heart and your family and it just opens everything up. And it, it was such an awesome experience to have with my family there at the time. For sure. So I do want to dive into your minor league career. But before we do, I, I want to stick with South Carolina because the one thing I do love about Gamecocks baseball especially is that all the alums are really close. I mean, you see guys out at the field working out, getting their work in, guys from past teams, whatever. I want to get your take, though, on the way that Coach Holbrook's career, I guess, played out. Um, 
you know, again, you played for him. Just talk about what were your reactions, your thoughts when he decided to step down? Um, I, I know that final season I've talked with other guys about it was just a, a mess as far as guys getting injured and certain things happening. But from an, you know, from your perspective, obviously you're busy with the minor leagues, but when you saw that happening, I guess, what were your thoughts on the way things went down with, uh, with coach Holbrook at the end of his, his tenure at South Carolina? Uh, I mean, he brought a lot of guys into that program, obviously through recruiting and he always knew the ins and outs and he was such a vital asset to, um, those college world series. And to see him leave, it was kind of, it was like kind of taken away from that a little bit. It was, I'm sure it was not easy for Tanner to make that decision by any means. Um, but kind of is what it is. You heard a lot of talk from Carolina fans, you know, want him gone and this and that. But, you know, that, like I said, he was, he was always a vital asset to those college world series teams. So, I mean, that was tough to see him leave, but I guess, Something's got to come to an end at some point, right? Yeah, and I wanted to ask you too. Have you had the, the opportunity to go back to uh, back to Columbia and I guess interact with Coach Kingston, the current staff? Just kind of give your thoughts on the job he's doing at Carolina right now. Uh, I haven't. I've got to meet him. I haven't got to pick his brain or talk to him very much, and I haven't got to go on the field very much down there. Um, but I mean, I feel like he's done a fairly good job. I mean, his first year he took the team to supers and had a difficult season last year with the pitching staff going down, you know, and that's kind of hard to overcome because pitching mm -hmm. wins games in college world series for the most part. So, um, or I guess in the college season. So, I mean, I think he's kind of had a difficult run up past that, but I think he's done a fairly good job overall. For sure. So I, I want to go back, like I said, Kyle, to your minor league career. I know you've bounced around from single A, high A, double A, a little bit of indie ball as well. Just kind of talk about, overall your your minor league experience and kind of where you are currently um what you're working on stuff like that uh yeah i was with the phillies and i got up to double a and ended up um you know i got to learn the game a lot you you learn the game as you grow but you don't 100 percent learn how to play the game the right way until um probably halfway through your college career or maybe even in the minors but i got to talk to a bunch of higher up staff and coordinators and whatnot and just kind of pick everyone's brain. And that's kind of my go-to is I just want to learn. And it, it taught me a lot and opened up the game a lot when you can see it in so many different aspects and so many different ways. And that was kind of all I wanted to do. I didn't want to always learn to hit or what to change or what to do. I just want to learn how to play the game because that kind of, allowed me to free up everything else and just do my job as um, an RBI producer and um, kind of help me move forward in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, I was never the best hitter. I was never the greatest hitter. I could hit for power. I could hit, um, I could do my job. And that's kind of what they loved about me was being able to do that consistently. Mm. So um, right now uh, I'm playing up in Canada for the Winnipeg gold eyes. I've signed with them and, Pending this coronavirus quarantine um, will probably depend whether I go up there on time or not. So right. just waiting yeah. to hear back for that. Yeah, I was going to say, I know it's madness for everybody. I, I wanted to, before we wrap up here, I, I want to talk about 
you know, just again, randomly, I was watching some highlights of you at South Carolina, Kyle, you know, taking a look at your stance, pretty relaxed, kind of the lower hands, leg kick. How much has your swing evolved uh, since your college days? Uh, it's, I mean, it evolved a lot very quickly when I got drafted. Um, they wanted me to raise my hands and kind of minimize the, the leg action. So it changed a lot. And then from there, I kind of simplified it. So now I'm just trying to make sure I get my body in the right position every time. So I simplified it. I deadened the leg kick a little bit and lowered the hands closer to the shoulder just to kind of make it a little bit easier. Because once you start facing that 95, 98, and everything gets a lot quicker, then you don't want a lot of extra excess motion that is going to keep you from catching up to those balls consistently. For sure. So, Kyle, before we let you go, one last question. When you take a look back at your South Carolina career, um, simply put, your favorite memory as a Gamecock, what would you say it was? Mm. Oof. Um, probably, I, I mean, I, I always go back to that uh, first home game against Clemson, the one we packed out, mm. sold out. I mean, it was so loud you couldn't even hear your own thoughts. It was one of those <laughs> moments. Um, but I, I truly enjoyed that experience. I truly enjoyed um, playing in the College World Series, being in front of that crowd, being a part of that moment with that team in general, you know, playing with those guys who have been there, done that, and um, just making another run at it. My, I think my whole freshman year was an awesome, awesome experience. But getting drafted, too, is always up there in the top three. So, I mean, but as far as Gamecock Nation goes, I think that home game against Clemson will always be my number one. For sure. Well, Kyle, really do appreciate it, man. Um, be sure to take care, stay safe, obviously, stay healthy through this whole coronavirus madness, like I said. But uh, really do appreciate you taking the time. It was a pleasure to watch you in Garnet Black do what you did. And uh, best of luck with everything with your career. We'll definitely be keeping up, man. Appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the phone call. Thank you. For sure. So for Kyle Martin, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys taking the time. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.